Pig X, ideas in the swine industry worth sharing. Join extension specialists and swine industry experts as they engage in conversations aimed to help producers succeed in raising healthy pigs. Welcome to episode 5 of the Pig X podcast. I'm your host, Delaney Howell. When it comes to swine production, is there a phase that stands out in your mind as being most important to ensuring a piglet's survivability? While we might all have some different answers for this question, for Dr. Laura Greiner, a professor at Iowa State University, the answer is simple. Through her research and work in the swine industry, she has come to recognize the importance that the sow can play in a piglet's life and has done quite a bit of research into this very subject. So I won't say too much more. Let's hear what she has to say. So I grew up in, in central Illinois in a farming operation, and we, we raised various livestock species and, and row crops over the years. Um, came to Iowa State, got my undergrad in animal science, and then chose to get a advanced degree in flight nutrition. After I finished my degree, I went to University of Iowa, actually in human medicine for a few years. I was really interested in the effects of nutrition and how it impacts immunology and our ability to manage disease. And so I did some time in the human microbiology uh, department there and got a call to come to Iowa State and uh, really liked the idea of being engaged with our undergraduate students and the activities associated with teaching. So I came to Iowa State just about two years ago now and have been um, involved in teaching our undergraduate students the introduction to swine production, so really just getting them started. Uh, and then I have a fourth-year class where we do more networking and, and interactions with people in the industry for those students that are really interested in swine production. So I, in all of that, also have a 25% research appointment and a 25% extension appointment. And in that process of, of the research, I uh, was approached by Dr. Ross to join the team and do some work in those areas. So a lot of my research in my program is focused today on guilt development and things we can do to improve longevity in the herd, as well as looking at uh, sow to piglet immunity transfer and colostral protection and how nutrition might play a role in some of those activities. So being involved in the survivability project really fits quite well uh, with my research focus. As I mentioned earlier, Dr. Greiner has spent quite a bit of time researching and working with various phases of swine production, but some of her latest research helped her develop her project and opinion around sows and gilts and their importance to the life cycle of pigs. So my research program here is very young. Uh, we're only about two years into our program, uh, but we're recently finishing up our first round of Projects. Some of our projects have been sponsored by outside industry partners and, as well as the survivability grant. And in those, we're looking at sow lameness and starting really with the gilt as she's a growing and developing female rather than waiting until she's already introduced into a sow herd. Uh, we're looking at her starting at about 50 pounds and trying to identify ways that we can help with with bone development and reducing inflammation in the joints that typically is associated with growth and trying just to minimize what we call osteochondrosis issues in pigs 
later in life. That's one of our focuses with spouse survivability and longevity. Another focus that we've had more recently actually is with vitamin A and a few other metabolites and trying to better understand how that can impact immunity and understanding how those immune cells, for example, pass from the south to the piglet. We're also finishing an IPPA grant that's allowing us to look a little bit closer at that south to piglet transfer and maybe understanding how that's occurring in the mammary system. So we're, while we're looking some at cell longevity, we're also looking at piglet longevity and trying to tie it all into what happens from point of development or point of puberty of that sow and how she can develop into a mature sow and all the things that need to happen in that process. Wow, Dr. Greiner certainly has her work cut out for her and has quite a few research topics going on. But one of the most recent and important areas of research she hasn't yet mentioned has been body condition scores, which is what we want to take the rest of this episode to discuss. So BCS is the acronym that we use for body condition score. And producers do all kinds of different ways of coming up with their body condition scores. Some farms like to say these animals are thin, normal, or fat. Some use a three-point scale where, you know, they might assign thin as one and normal as two and fat as three. Some producers like to use a five-point scale, one that we're more familiar with with our PQA training and the We Care program. We would see this as as one being extremely thin and three being normal and then five being overly obese. So a body condition score can be, you know, really a number or just a name associated with the condition of the sow. And so what we'll do with body condition scoring is if we identify a sow, let's say that is a score of thin, if we're going to go thin, normal, and fat, we would identify her and then we would try to increase her feeding program in gestation to get her to the point of being in the ideal or normal body condition score before farrowing. The same if she was overweight, we would manage her feeding program so that we could hopefully get her to safely lose a little bit of weight and be in an ideal condition going into farrowing. So that body condition score is something we use a lot, particularly in gestation, Uh, We will use it in farrowing if we're identifying animals that are sick or we're looking at a culling program. But in gestation, it's really critical to be using that on a regular basis on our sows to ensure that they're coming in in that ideal body weight so that they're ready to eat and don't have to worry about shoulder lesions and lameness and some of the things that go along with being overweight. But certainly, we don't want to bring sows in that are underweight and ask them to milk and take care of a litter either. So that's That's why we focus on that body condition score so intently during gestation. All right, a lot of information was thrown at us just now, so let's recap. As Laura mentioned, BCS, or body condition scores, are somewhat subjective. It can vary from producer to producer. Some are based on a numbering system. Others on just a labeling system, but the key is that it's important to look at the health and weight of a sow before heading into farrowing to ensure she is the healthiest she can be ahead of giving birth. And although she doesn't have a current study going on about BCS at the moment, it's something that she has dealt with a lot during her past research projects and a topic that remains vital to the swine industry. 
So style body condition scoring and style body condition in general uh, was something that I did a lot in is making sure that our styles had very good body condition scoring, making sure that we had styles that were coming in, that were hungry, that were going to eat. They weren't just going to be, you know, laying there being lethargic and, and having, you know, longer issues associated with lameness or shoulder lesions or some of the other things that our industry has dealt with in the past. And so style body condition, while I don't have a project currently going with it, it is one that I'm very passionate about because we don't get those styles into the right condition. I really feel like we're setting them up for some trouble later in life. Did you catch what she just mentioned there? It's important, so I hope you did. But in case you didn't, as she was saying, if we don't get sows under the right condition, we're setting them up for trouble later in life. Laura elaborates on what those troubles could be for sows later in life. So when we talk about setting them up for later in life, one of the things I've seen in the past is we have producers that for a long time, our sows were, were naturally a, a fatter genetic type. They weren't the lean sows that we deal with today. And many years ago, we believed in, in setting these sows up to be very round before they went into lactation because they wouldn't eat very well in lactation. Uh, the genetics we deal with today, they're they're very much driven to eat. They're a leaner genetic, and we can't allow them to get to that that round shape that we were so used to 15 years ago. And if we do that, our sows actually will lay in the farrowing rooms, and they won't get up and eat. They won't be driven to eat because they'll be using the fat off of their bodies rather than searching out food to, to feed their bodies and their milking production. So when that happens, what we see are these sows that will come in very large, and then they lose that weight as they're laying in the lactation stalls, and they'll in fact develop things such as shoulder lesions from that weight loss and the pressure points on their shoulders. And so then we start to have animal welfare concerns where we have animals with shoulder lesions that now we need to tend to. They do recover, but again, it's just something that we don't want our animals to have to go through. And so we're very mindful of making sure that that's handled correctly. In addition to that, whenever we get sows that are very large in size, especially larger than what their structures are designed to handle, uh, we do increase that chance of lameness issues, just wear and tear on the joints, essentially, just like people. And so we want to make sure that we keep those animals in an ideal body condition so that they are more mobile, um, that we're not impacting their joints and to keep them in the herd for a longer period of time. Again, some really great points made by Dr. Greiner, but let's take a moment here to pause, think, and reflect before we do a quick recap. Before the break, Dr. Greiner was discussing how sows have changed and why body condition scores have been able to help producers identify those changes in sow production. In the old days, as they say, sows were a much rounder condition, but that was not very advantageous when it came to encouraging sows to continue feeding while they were lactating. It also causes a lot of issues when it comes to shoulder lesions and other health problems for sows. Therefore, body condition scores have been very helpful for producers to recognize and realize what an ideal sow should look like heading into farrowing. A sow that is fat is overconditioned, uh, particularly early on as a gilt, you know, as a gilt coming in and we're conditioning her 
and she becomes overweight, or particularly that sow as well, what we find is that fat will deposit down into the mammary gland. And if there is a large amount of fat in the mammary gland, the gland itself can't fill adequately with milk. So we actually restrict milk production when we over-condition our sows. So uh, one, that will impact our piglets for sure because we can't naturally produce milk when there's fat sitting in the mammary gland taking up the space that the milk would normally be in. The other thing that we want to think about is that if that sow is overweight and she is laying down and she's not driven to eat the calories that she needs, it's in the food, right? She's more, she's more efficient getting the nutrients and the energy she needs from her food rather than pulling it off of her own body. And so that sow tends not to melt as well because she is not using that energy in the feed. Um, the sows produce more milk per kilo of body weight than a dairy cow. They're, they have a phenomenal milking ability and the energy that is required to that, um, I had read one time, is greater than that of an Olympic marathon runner. That they have an enormous amount of caloric need every day. And the best way to meet those needs is to get her up and eating. Because if she's not eating that food, she's just not going to melt as well as, as what we want her to. Wait a second. Did you just hear that? A sow produces more milk per kilo of body weight than a dairy cow and needs more energy than an Olympic marathon runner? That's a lot of calories. But fun facts aside, it's important that a sow is not over-conditioned and overweight, again placing a huge emphasis that a sow or gilt has a good body condition or score heading into farrowing because it can cause a lot of complications for both the sow and piglet if that sow is not in an ideal condition. But just like humans, sows' bodies are constantly changing, so how do you implement some sort of scoring system that is fluid and changes with the sow's changes? That's the next question Laura tackles. A lot of producers have a different program, different methods, but it all has a very similar trend to it. What we will do is when the sow comes back out of farrowing and goes through her breeding program, once she has bred and gets placed into the gestation barn, uh, we recommend going ahead and doing a body condition score at that time, identifying where she is in the program as far as thin, normal, or, or overweight, and then having a program identified by your nutritionist as to what that looks like in terms of pounds of feed that those animals need per day. So a nutritionist knows what they're putting into the feed and they can help a producer decide, is it four pounds, is it five pounds, what this looks like for each of our sows. So you have a, an animal husbandry or an animal caretaker going through doing those identifications and then uh, assigning the feed. Then what we recommend is about 30 days later that that process occurs again. Because in about 30 days, we're going to see the impact of the nutrition program. And if the sow is when she came out of farrowing and we fed her a higher amount for 30 days, she's now at a normal category, then we would change her feed allowance down to what the nutritionist has defined as their maintenance program or their normal diet amount. And then she would get that uh, for another 30 days and then she would be reassessed again there at her 60 days and then we do it again at 90 days. So we do this about every 30 days during gestation and we just follow that program. 
every 30 days. That's the frequency in which producers should be rescoring and evaluating a sow during gestation, as Laura just mentioned there. But something like a BCS is so subjective, as she points out. One of the challenges we have, though, Delaney, is that the body condition scoring can be pretty subjective. Depending on how I look at a sow and, you know, the light in the barn and a lot of variables, you know, I might call a sow one condition and my caretaker next to me might call a sow a different condition. And so it's really important for a, a producer in an operation to make sure that they uh, routinely have what we call calibration checks. So having one person do the scoring is great, but having a second person or a third person come in and walk with that person periodically just to make sure that they're keeping their eyes consistent uh, is really critical to these programs. So we can do the subjective methods, um, but sometimes our producers like something that's a little bit more objective, a little bit more straightforward. And so there are tools that producers can use that, that aren't our eyes. They can use things such as calipers, or they can use flank tape or girth tape to, again, get that idea of, of measurement. Um, girth tapes generally just take weight, so that's not one that I would recommend. So I would look more like at the caliper, and that just simply goes on the sow's back, and it helps us gauge where she is in terms of body condition. And again, the nutritionist can help set a feeding program based on the types of tools you're using to assess DCS to help you get your herd into ideal condition. Well, we have certainly covered a lot during this episode, but it's time once again for a few take-home messages and things to implement in your operation. What I would recommend if you think about body condition score is, again, we focus this in on our gestating sows. The value that body condition score requires or underlines is the idea that we can keep these animals in our herds for long periods of time because we're managing that that weight so we ensure that we don't have rapid weight loss or rapid weight gain. And that allows that animal to be more consistent and perform well in our herd. It's really important for our producers as you work through body condition score to communicate with your nutritionist to understand how those diets are formulated because you don't want to underfeed particularly some of the nutrients because that could set the animal up for deficiencies. And we certainly don't want to have to manage a deficiency as well as body condition score. So I do encourage our producers to spend time with their nutritionists setting up that program to be optimized for their production facilities and their specific genetics. Because again, every genetic type is different and they respond differently. And even their body condition score, their ideal body condition score is going to be different. So work with the genetic supplier as well as the nutritionist to set your program up. And then once you've identified how you're going to, to do body condition scoring in your herds, ensure that you have periodic calibration checks. Those are going to be very critical to make sure that, that people's eyes stay trained or the calipers are working correctly or being placed on the animal correctly. All of those things uh, really do help to have a successful body condition scoring program. Wow, thanks again for those awesome take-home messages, Laura. Again, to reiterate, it's important to monitor BCS of each sow Increase feed amount for a low BCS and decrease for high BCS. 
to achieve ideal body condition scores for partrition and lactation because at the end of the day, a sow's BCS affects birth and weaning weights as well as pre-weaning mortality. And at the end of the day, the goal of this project has been, of course, to maximize a pig's survivability. That does it for another episode of the Pig X Podcast. But before I let you go, I want to remind you and urge you to take a quick second here and hit subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this episode on to make sure you don't miss out on our next regularly scheduled episode where we tackle a few fantastic subjects with two industry experts. Until next time, I'm Delaney Howell, and this has been the Pig X Podcast. Pig X is a national podcast hosted by the Pig Livability Project partners at Iowa State University, Kansas State University, and Purdue, and supported by the Iowa Pork Industry Center. For more information on the project, head to www.piglivability.org or to inquire directly with questions regarding the project, email ipic at iastate.edu. Pig X ideas in the swine industry worth sharing.